This is the Fix Your Sciatica Podcast. So here we are, 101 episodes, and I thought it would be a great opportunity for us to talk about the concept of regenerative medicine. And one of the most common terminologies or interventions that people hear or think about when they hear the word regenerative medicine is this concept of PRP. What is it? How does it work? Will it work for my pain? And so today I have a very special guest who knows all about regenerative medicine from his profile when I first met him, traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, PRP, the, the works. And he was kind enough to uh, be a, a guest on today's episode. So today I have Dr. Fields coming all the way from Florida. Dr. Fields, thank you so much for being on today's episode. I appreciate it, Doc. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. I and the excitement is mutual. So let's let's talk about you. Um, for the listeners who might not have met you before, tell us a little bit more about yourself, your journey, and where you're at today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to speak about that. You know, I, I started getting into holistic medicine through uh, my love of martial arts. Been in martial arts most of my life. Um, taught professionally for over 15 years, including professional fighters, UFC guys, amateur fighters, uh, boxers, um, all that kind of stuff, and. We've done, you know, independent movies, uh, you know, uh, like uh, low budget action movies, like all, all, all that fun stuff. And about 10 years into my practice, into 10 years into the, the martial arts practice and teaching, uh, in my early 30s, I got really, really sick. I mean, I was having probably a dozen different symptoms, hot flashes, chills, fatigue, depression, um, severe joint pain systemically, every single joint in the body severe carpal tunnel, tendonitis, uh, severe neck and back pain. I was physically disabled. I couldn't work for almost a year. And I had already been studying the Eastern medicine from the, the gentleman who got me in an acupuncture, my Qigong master, uh, Dr. George Love, kind of introduced me to it. And I had been studying with him for ten, about 10 years prior. But I just reached a point where I guess what I was doing was no longer working for me. And I spent a whole year, you know, hopping from doctor to doctor to doctor. Saw a few different orthopedics, three different neurologists, endocrinologists, had biopsies on my thyroid, you know, all, all that fun stuff. I, got, I had two doctors that wanted to do carpal tunnel release surgery on me, never did it, never went through with it. And for the most part, all these doctors were telling me, oh, it's all in your head. Here's pain pills. Here's muscle relaxers, right? Do carpal tunnel surgery. And I just didn't like any of those options. I think I tried one muscle relaxer and I, I just knew better. I had seen enough of my friends go through it and, you know, family and all that. And I just said, okay, but even if it worked, well, what about next week? And how does that help all my other problems, right? It doesn't help any of my problems. So I had already been studying and apprenticing with my uh, acupuncturist for 10 years prior and helping him with his seminars and helping him teach his seminars uh, but after going through this myself and not getting any help from conventional medicine, eventually I walked into a nutrition shop, uh, Nutrition Direct, owned by one of my mentors, Reed Eckert, who's a formulary. He actually invents vitamins. And as soon as I walk through the door, he just tells me, you look like crap. And I tell him the whole story. And he tells me, I, I, I know what's wrong with you. I'm going to get you fixed. I don't believe him because I'm like, I've seen all these doctors. Like, dude, you sell vitamins. Like, what are you going to do for me? Right? Nothing. And, uh, you know, he put me on some stuff and within a few weeks, it was like a miracle. The hot flashes, the chills, the depression, the fatigue was like instantly lifted. He put me with a good chiropractor uh, by the name of Paul Grillo. They had me make some lifestyle changes, some dietary changes. And I was pretty healthy by all means. I had tried to go vegan a couple of times. That probably was part of the problem. 
Um, but I, you know, I wasn't eating junk food. I wasn't eating too much sugary stuff. You know, I, I was pretty healthy overall. Uh, and overall, I, I just started getting better and better and better. And within about six to eight months, I made a full recovery. And having lived through that and seeing being super frustrated with the healthcare system and not being able to get even any help, even though I had insurance and I was young and healthy and active, and all these doctors couldn't help me, uh, it really, uh, I, I, you know, I knew I had to make a change of lifestyle, and and I knew I didn't want to go back to doing the same thing that kind of got me there, and it added like a purpose to my life. I knew I wanted to help other people in similar boat to me kind of, you know, be able to also recover, make a full recovery without all the drugs and unnecessary surgeries and, and things. Um, you know, those things all have a time and a place. Obviously, if there's an emergency, please get the jaws of life. I want to be airlifted, you know, whatever we need. But um, for chronic conditions, and, and you know this because you're in the field, you know, uh, medications and surgeries are often overprescribed and unnecessary. That led me to go back and then I went back and did my uh, my bachelor's in health sciences and my master's and my doctorate in both acupuncture and eastern medicine. Uh, I've done about a ton of functional medicine certifications and I've done some training in regenerative medicine, uh, stem cell therapies, advanced stem cell therapies, IV therapies, um, vitamin and trigger point injections, all that kind of stuff. We have a uh, a pretty broad scope of practice in Florida, which allows us to do a little more than some of the other states. And I think that's fantastic. Um, going through your journey, I'm thinking, man, you know, you're probably, I mean, that's, uh, that's a couple of years of, of living with, you know, all of these issues. And I think one, I think it's important for people to listen, like listeners to know that most of the time when you're working with say a professional and they're most of the time, if they like, don't know what's going on, they're kind of just like, ah, I don't know. I'm just, you know, it's going to give this to you. And they don't really, they don't necessarily say, Hey, try X, Y, and Z. And oftentimes, and you probably said this for yourself, Dr. Fields, but I don't know for myself, it's like, if I'm looking for an answer and the person who I'm working with isn't able to give me the answer or direct me, I'm actually doing the research on my own. I'm actually advocating for myself, which I think it's important throughout your entire journey to advocate for yourself. If you're not getting the results that you want, bring it up with your provider and just continue to never stop searching because there are so many different modalities that are out there that are designed to actually help out. I, I love that message. I'm glad you brought it up early on in the conversation because what happens is a lot of people do give up, right? They'll see one or two providers that they don't like or it didn't work, and then they just assume all physical therapists are the same or all acupuncturists are the same, and they're not, right? There's so many different styles of practice. There's so many different modalities. There's so many different types of training, and and a lot of it will depend on the competency and also um, – compliance from the patient right if you don't vibe or if you don't gel or if you feel a provider's being disrespectful to you like the compliance is likely to be very low that the patients aren't going to follow the instructions that they were provided so yeah i agree always keep searching if, if you haven't found it yet don't give up and to, to piggyback off of another big thing when you were going through you, you were saying you were having like these hot flashes like you had all these other symptoms in addition <laughs> to your carpal tunnel pain right and I think that is a, a good highlighter for you listeners that 
whenever I work with people and w- whatever provider you are working with, one of the big, one of the things that they should be looking for is what we call medical red flags. And so mm-hmm. when I'm working with someone who has sciatica pain or even any uh, issue when it comes to pain management, if their pain is accompanied with fevers, feeling unwell, all these other symptoms that aren't necessarily related to the specific joint, that is something that should be looked at. That is not like the pain that you're experiencing may not just be an orthopedic problem. It might be a systemic issue, just like Dr. Fields was saying, was that being able to have these changes to his life, which actually made him feel a lot better. So that was a, that was another thing I wanted to, to bring up. Yeah. And, and that's a great point, you know, and, and what we do is very similar to what you do in the fact that it's a, a root cause based medicine, right? So even if you're diagnosing somebody for whatever, right? Like, if they're just like we spoke a little bit earlier, if there's a dysfunction in how you're walking or your back pain, or if you have sciatic pain, like, is that a muscular dysfunction? And is what else is contributing to that muscular dis- dysfunction besides posture, besides previous injuries, besides whatever you're doing to it, right? If you're dehydrated or a lack of nutrients, or wh- whatever it can be, you know, there's a million different things, or there's some kind of underlying inflammatory process that's driving that. And then whether it be myself or yourself, and I often work, you know, with, with guys like you, and I refer out to PT very often. And once again, having somebody that's good and knows what they're doing is, is the key there. Uh, but if they're, you know, if you have one of these systemic problems, it doesn't matter how many times we treat you, you're unlikely to have lasting improvement. And then it becomes this model where you need treatment forever and you're not actually getting better, which I think is disingenuous and not the kind of results I want for my patients. I want them to have lasting results because that's how I get referrals. I don't need to lock you into some kind of plan to see me forever. That's the exact opposite of what I want. And that's not how I would want to be treated as a patient. This episode is brought to you by the Patient Advocate Program. Are you tired of not having support between your rehab sessions? Introducing the Patient Advocate Program. We're focused on your recovery and we're offering you 24-7 access to a doctorate of physical therapy. Stop waiting in line to be seen and stop spending hours doing long exercise programs. Imagine being able to get all of your care delivered straight to your phone. Best of all, it's affordable. We believe everyone deserves top-notch relief without breaking the bank. So why wait? Take control of your health today and visit ptpatientadvocate.com and book your free call with our experts. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's uh there's two industries in which when you get the job done, it kind of takes business away from you. And number one, it's actually the dating industry because once someone finishes dating, they're married, like they're not a customer anymore. But then right. the second part is healthcare. It's like the moment that a patient is fixed or healed, they're out of the medical ecosystem, which actually makes it challenging for the business. But you're absolutely right. Like being able to get people better faster. One, that's that's the most genuine way versus trying to keep people on just so that you can, you know, keep them, keep them paying you. So I really appreciate that. So let's talk about this regenerative medicine, right? Mm -hmm. Specifically the modality of PRP. It has, um, from what I've observed, definitely has gotten a lot more press, we'll say over the past four to five years, especially when people want to uh, move away from the steroids and epidurals and all the stuff like that. So can you tell us a little bit more about PRP, what it is, um, and just a little bit of the science behind it? Yeah. So the platelet-rich plasma uh, technology has been in use for 
probably at least 20 years. I know the orthopedic that trained me on it does all the professional sports teams out here. And he actually gave up after um, 30 plus years of doing surgery to just go into regenerative medicine alone because he was seeing the results and didn't want to feel like he was butchering every patient. And on the other side of it, we've seen in the last few years, papers and clinical studies coming out on the cortisone shots, right? That sometimes will actually degenerate the joints even faster. While they may give you some temporary anti-inflammatory relief, you may need a total joint replacement faster. I think the papers were specifically for hips and knees, uh, but uh, common sense would say that probably applies to the rest of the body as well. Um, in addition to that, a lot of the side effects I see sometimes with too many cortisone shots, I'll have patients if they have blood sugar issues where they start getting, um, you know, unexplained weight gain, right? Because if, um, it's a steroid, essentially. So sometimes it'll blow people up. Sometimes people have other bad reactions to them. So you are correct in the fact that people are looking for more alternative, safer things. So platelet-rich plasma, it, it, it's a very simple process, actually. And it works much like acupuncture or bloodletting or some of these other technologies and um, treatment methods that have been around forever, right? What it is, is that there's no drugs involved. There's a, a tiny little bit of blood thinner that goes in there just so the blood doesn't clot. But for the most part, what you're doing is we're drawing blood. So when I do it in the office, we have a phlebotomist come in and they draw your blood. They take I don't know, 40 cc's, 50 cc's, depends on how much we're doing. It's not much. You're, you're not uh, taking much out. You'd want to hydrate before you come in, obviously. And typically, you know, the healthier you are, the, the better your cells are going to be to repair themselves. Okay. But they draw the blood and then it goes into a centrifuge and the centrifuge spins them very fast. And there's different ways to do it. There's, there's some systems that do one spin, some systems that do two spins. But for the most part, what we're looking to do is to concentrate the platelets. The platelets is, is what has the most healing ability, right? They have the most amount of like cytokines and growth factors. So these are basically um, growth factors and, and steroids and, na and natural anti-inflammatory um compounds that are found in your own blood without adding the drugs. So we put it in the centrifuge, it spins around, it separates the plasma from the red blood cells with the platelets in the middle. And some doctors use only the plasma and the platelets. Uh, the way I was trained was to use a little bit of the red blood cells too. It does cause a little more inflammation on the front side. It's not really that noticeable. I've never had a patient complain about it. However, there are certain cytokines and growth factors and, and things that are only found in the red blood cells. So if you throw that away completely, sometimes you're throwing out the baby with the bathwater. So the way I was trained is, is to use a little bit of that as well. So we, we take the concentrated and the, the ideal concentration is about five to seven times. So the idea is we're taking your blood that should be healing itself anyway, right? right that's how the body's designed, right? If we get a cut, you bleed, it scabs, it heals, right? So it's, it's exactly the same process and acupuncture works the same way. We're just expanding. We're just concentrating five to seven times more. We're getting the platelets. I have a special system in my office where we actually expose the blood afterwards to a photonic light chamber. So it's a light type of therapy, which kind of activates the stem cells and the PRP even more. Uh, most places don't use it. It's just more added benefit for the patient, right? And then you would find the location that was injured. Let's say if we were doing, uh, you know, the PRP is often used for joints. Um, you can do backs, you can do necks. It works best for mild to moderate arthritis or um, sprains, strains, um, tendinitis, tendinosis, and also slow healing wounds. Those are the things that we use it for most. There are some other applications. 
but you know most of what i do with it will probably be things like uh knees uh, you know the, everything from you know lcls acls and mostly arthritis you know so we'll go intraarticular into the joints and nearby to the the tendons and the ligaments that are damaged or muscles um sometimes we will do them for back as well um, I'm not doing ultrasound guided, uh, you know, for a lot of the joints, you don't need them. Uh, you know, you can do it in a fluoroscopy. If you're going to get in all that, you'd probably be better off going for a, a full stem cell procedure and doing all that. Cause you're going to spend almost the same amount of money. Uh, so the, for the PRP, you know, um, shoulders, knees, hips, and then if I'm doing back or spine stuff, it's going to be more, uh, intramuscular or subcutaneous kind of close enough where we're going to let it sink in and kind of cover that whole area without getting too close to the spine where you're actually worried about like hitting a nerve or doing any damage or anything like that but i've had extremely high success with it uh, you know we, we've done everything from you know osteoarthritis and, and yeah hips knees uh one of the other things we use it a lot for is um lateral epicondylitis right or tennis elbow right so um uh, sometimes even plantar fasciitis so and, and, and the concept is some of these areas specifically like tendons, right? Tendons don't have their own blood supply. So tendonitis or, or golfer's elbow or one of these things, they're not getting blood flow anywhere. So it's going to be difficult for the tendon to heal. So if you sprain something right at the muscle tendon junction or let's say intraarticular, right? Inside of the, the knee capsule, there's not really blood flow and circulation in there. So as we're taking the PRP and we're, re-injecting your own blood that's been concentrated in the platelets to that area you're increasing circulation of that area and as you increase circulation that comes with the growth factors and the cytokines and uh, t-cells and b-cells and all your things that are going to go in and they're going to look for diseased and damaged tissue and they're going to start to repair it because that's what your body is designed to do and sometimes it just needs a little boost to kind of help it. So if we can concentrate your platelets times seven and then inject it directly to where you want it to heal, it's going to speed up your healing process, you know, 10x, 100x kind of, you know, it, it just depends, um, you know, on a case-by-case -case basis. But we see incredible results with it. If somebody is a good candidate, and, and that's the key part, is making sure to get a proper diagnosis in the beginning and, and making sure you – know what you're doing rather than just, hey, well, do any procedure, give us your money, right? Um, if they're a good candidate, we probably have 80% or higher successful results with it. I've, I've seen miracles with, um, like I said, with shoulders, uh, knees, and um, tendonitis, um, even sciatica and some of the other issues. That's awesome. It's um, it's really cool to that you were explaining like the process um, amongst all of it, because I actually myself had just a j surface level understanding. It's like they go in, centrifuge your blood and put it back in, but to be able to learn about the hormones and growth factors that are actually necessary to help your body prepare itself. And I love the fact that you brought up this concept or not concept, but this principle that it improves blood flow to areas of where there's not much blood flow to begin with. Mm -hmm. So musculotendinous junctions, areas that there isn't too much of what we call capillary density, right? Because if you're not having as much blood flow, then the opportunity to heal that area is not going to be as high. And listeners, you can see this kind of throughout your body where you can have a cut or a scrape 
on say like the palm of your hand and that'll heal way faster compared to having a cut or a scrape on a different area of our body that doesn't have as much of a blood or nerve supply. And so I really appreciate that. And especially because of the fact that there's so many possible side effects and adverse reactions when you're getting something like a steroid injection or even something short lived, like even just having an anesthetic applied to an area, right? And so here you are providing an environment for tissues to heal themselves, which I'm glad that you brought up the, uh, you know, how majority, it's great for joints, but also when we're looking from a sciatica standpoint. Now, listeners, again, if you if this isn't your first episode, remember sciatica is just a diagnosis. It is, it's a description of where your pain is coming from, or, or it's a description of your pain distribution. And what that means is it doesn't necessarily tell you, is the pain that you're experiencing, is it actually truly caused by a herniated, a bulging, or extruding disc? Could it be that you're having an issue with an arthritic facet? Could you have an issue with the foramen in which the nerve root is exiting out? And that is only the areas of the spine. The sciatic nerve itself is the longest nerve in the body, and it follows a very long path. So we have to be able to look at what's happening at the hip, what's happening at the knee, and what we're having to do. So um, Dr. Fields, for someone who's been dealing with sciatica and they're, they're like, oh, okay, um, well, I have some damaged tissues here and there. Um, when, if they were to come in and speak with you and they're saying, okay, I'm having sciatic issues, I'm having a herniation here, here, and here. Um, what are the typical things that you look for in order for you to determine one, is this person a good candidate, but also two, what are the things that you look for that help you understand, okay, I should be injecting in this specific area versus another? Great question. And going back to, you know, once again, I think proper diagnosis is the most important part. Sciatica, believe it or not, is one of the most misdiagnosed things that we see in the clinic, right? Because everybody comes in, I have back pain, I have sciatica, the doctor said it's sciatica. And, and they kind of throw that around like, fibromyalgia or general anxiety. It's just one of these blanket terms that they're kind of using for any pain that may or may not be radiating down the leg or kind of affecting the glutes and the lower back. Uh, same with the disc herniations, right? So, and you're probably familiar with these studies, but right, they've done studies. There's been a couple big studies, thousand plus patients where they've done MRIs where, you know, um, uh, let's say they have a thousand plus people that all had disc herniations and bulges and half of them have zero pain. So the fact that you have a herniation or a bulge doesn't mean that's what your pain is going. It doesn't mean that it's not caused the cause of your pain, but often there's going to be other factors involved. And then how did that just get herniated in the first place? It's not always some kind of trauma or incident or, or lift that they did. So probably about a third of the cases I see that come in for sciatic and lower back pain are often misdiagnosed. And this is something you probably see a lot of. Um, which will be, you know, a gluteal pain, right? With the um, blue medius. Or you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Minimus. So one of the first things I'll do is do a uh, Trendelenburg test on them, right? And if they... uh. uh 
get a positive result on that, uh, I'm going to refer them to you, <laughs> right? It, it's, uh, I'll treat it because uh, I want to increase circulation of that area. I want to get out um, any knots in, in that. But what, what people don't understand is that the the path of the gluteal pain, right? If you have a weak glute, gluteus medius and minimus, which most people do because we just are so sedentary these days, we spend so much time at a desk or driving, even you'd be surprised. I mean, even a lot of the athletes I see that come in or people that are extremely athletic, you know, they're training and they're doing uh, deadlifts and squats and all these things, but they're not actually activating the muscles and they come in and then they're jacked up and buff, but you know, you, you touch the glutes and, and they're, um, uh, quite uh, like flaccid, right? So uh, a lot of times I know right away. And then in that case, uh, will PRP help? Yeah, tremendously, but they still need to see you. They still need to be with a physical therapist that knows what they're doing. Because if they go into any old PT and they're just running ultrasound and e-stim on them and tell them, here, ride the bike for five minutes, it will never, ever, ever get better. And usually these cases, uh, I see they come in and they've already had a couple cortisone shots right? And, or they've been going to the chiropractor twice a week for six months and that problem hasn't gotten any better, right? Because they're not actually addressing the, the root cause of the problem and it's been misdiagnosed. But the point specifically with the gluteal pain is it, we call it pseudosciatica sometimes because it could actually run down the leg all the way down to your calf and sometimes even lower, uh, same sciatic pain would. So I think most doctors, just anytime they hear it's going down the leg, they're automatically jumping to sciatica and they're not uh, distinguishing. Uh, are you actually having any burning or numbness or, or tingling, which would be more indicative of a, a nerve being pinched or some kind of nerve problem, right? Then, um, so we, we can do PRP. And if that is the case, then it, you'd probably be a candidate as far as location that you brought up. We would probably work on getting into the glutes, right? Probably uh, I would do uh, an injection or two at the origin of the muscle, right? On the uh, back of the um, iliac crest over there. And um, and then one closer to the hip, closer to the greater trochanter, right? In, in that area. So we could kind of cover and probably do a few trigger points along the way. That way we can kind of invigorate those muscles. And as they're working with you on the physical therapy and doing that, their exercises, um, they'll speed up the healing process tremendously. They might even get, they might even get immediate relief from it, right? Uh, but I, I'm very honest with the patients. I tell them, look, in your case, if you don't do these exercises, this problem is never going away. It might be good for a week. It might be good for a month. It's going to come back, right? So that's one. Um, another one that we often see sciatica misdiagnosed from is, um, and you're familiar with this, is piriformis syndrome, right? because the piriformis is one of these muscles that's underneath the glutes and it runs right over um, horizontally over the sciatic nerve bundle, which the sciatic nerve isn't really one nerve. It's a whole bundle of nerves. And I've been in cadaver class and have uh, looked it up. And if you look at most of your nerves, they're about hair thin. But when you look at the sciatic nerve, it's actually a bundle. It's almost as thick as like an electrical cord. And that's why it can be so painful and excruciating and completely disable certain people because um, there's so much signal that could be sent through that nerve, right? So if it's a piriformis syndrome, you know, oftentimes the piriformis will just be too tight or have some muscular adhesions in it or some knots um, from sitting on it too much or it, it just got too tight. And then a good place to do a PRP injection would be directly into that muscle. Uh, I would probably do at the insertion point at the... Um, 
uh, the origin point and one into the muscle belly. I'd hit all three areas to kind of disperse uh, into there rather than just trying to do one singular injection. I've always found better results and, and being trained initially as, a, as an acupuncturist, right? We would kind of, um, which is more of like an orthopedic acupuncture style slash dry needling, which comes from orthopedic acupuncture um, to work the whole muscle. Because be, being realistic, just throwing one injection in there, we're, which is what a lot of doctors would do and a lot of orthopedics even do, it's not going to be as effective because the puncture itself from the needle is going to be um, is basically like doing a trigger point injection or acupuncture. But then when you're adding the PRP material in there, the platelets and the, and the fresh blood supply, that's going to help. So if you're getting the origin, the insertion, and the muscle belly, you're just going to have way better results, right? And then lastly, I think was what you mentioned, uh, you know, sometimes sciatic is a problem of a herniation or a facet joint. Um, you know, sometimes nerves can be kind of trapped in the, near the, the foramen or SI inflammation, SI joint inflammation can cause, you know, these problems. So um, I'll palpate a lot. I like it when patients bring in MRI results, right? I usually prefer the, the uh, report of findings, not the disc. I'm not a radiologist, so it's, um, I, I can interpret it, but it's best if you bring in a report and then we can look over. If we know you have a herniation at L4 or L5 on what side it is, then we could kind of get closer to that area. I would put some there. And then what I often do when I'm treating it, whether it be PRP or acupuncture, I will actually trace the route of the nerve down the legs, right? So I might start off and do put some PRP and in, in, in most orthopedics and doctors don't do this. And I, I think this is why I have better success than a lot of them. Like I said, I, I would give the different areas that might be involved. So I might start the injection uh, right there near the disc, right? And kind of intramuscularly in that area, let it soak in. You know, maybe the QL is pulling your your, your spine out of place. You know, maybe that's part of the problem. So maybe we need to do a... Uh, a quadratus lumborum release or something as well. And maybe that muscle's all knotted up and contributing to the issue. Or so, you know, I might hit the SI, I might hit the glutes and the piriformis down the route, and then I might even trace it going down the leg. We might even hit somewhere in between the hamstrings, uh, possibly the calf, or right under your um, the head of the uh, the fibula over there because the, uh, the common perineal nerve runs there, and that's a branch of the sciatic nerve. And often the pain path will travel down there as well. So I might actually do a few points along that path. So you're getting multiple areas uh, that are involved in the nerve. And then typically I will also, uh, which is another thing that most doctors don't do, I will also work with the patients and discuss, you know, some nutrition, hydration, uh, minerals, uh, nutrient supplements, or herbs that could also be um, uh, effective and are kind of going to be uh, catered to the person's constitution and their body type and what's going on. Because like we mentioned earlier, if you're not addressing the person's um, systemic issues, even PRP is unlikely to have a good result. Any treatment is unlikely to have a good result. Even the surgical outcomes are going to be lower if you have other systemic issues. And And everybody's issues are different. They're not the same which is why just saying, oh, you have sciatica, I'm going to inject your L4 or I'm going to inject your peripheral. It, it doesn't work like that. It's just you're not going to get long-lasting results, and it's disingenuous, and it's taking the easy way out. And that's what allopathic conventional medicine does. They treat the symptoms. They're not treating the root cause. I really appreciate that. I mean, you have a specific process in being able to determine what is the 
source of the cause of the issue. Um, I really appreciate that thought process because that's how it should be done. Truth be told, everyone's pain is an individual experience. And so to say every person who's experiencing pain along the sciatic nerve distribution will benefit from an injection here is short-sighted because there's so many opportunities for us to be able to help because the nerve is long. It's long and there are many areas in which it can get jammed up. And I love how you were talking about the, the use of PRP as improving the body's ability to heal um but also using like the needle itself will actually reduce some of those trigger points as well so i really appreciate that and it's important for people to understand that this is what should be going like this process of what dr fields was discussing this is what should be going on and every person that you're coming to it should be going in their head they should be able to say this might be the issue but in order for us to know that we have to run a couple different tests and we need to get the necessary data to be able to say with a high likelihood, I think this is the scenario. And ultimately everything that we're doing as clinicians is starting off with an educated guess with the information we're provided. And then based off of your reactions that will actually either support what we are suspecting or refute what we're suspecting and it requires us to change direction and um here you have prp which is uh, an opportunity to allow your body to heal but there's a reason why that tissue got hurt in the first place and so i like to think about people like dr fields um anyone who and um other providers who are uh providing these interventions even surgeons as well they're the folks who actually help the body heal but it's our jobs as physical therapists to make sure that you're using your body right because you can use your body incorrectly get an injection feel great and then go back to doing like the things that you used to do going back to your bad habits and that is only going to result in temporary results but you get the improvement you have the ability to move you learn how to move correctly changing your behaviors whether it be movement or nutrition or lifestyle and then you actually allow yourself to have a much more resilient body, which allows you to heal, feel happy and awesome. Um, Dr. Fields, let's talk about some of the recovery. Um, I think I've heard from various different patients I've worked with. Some people, when they get PRP, they're like, I need to not do anything for six weeks. Some people are like, I got the PRP injection. I can go do cartwheels the next day. So um, what is the typical uh, rebound time? after someone gets a PRP uh, procedure done. So you're totally right. It, it's all over the map what uh, doctors are recommending. So so here's the deal. Uh, one, again, it's going to depend on the injury or what happened, right? If you've got, if you truly do have a severely herniated disc, it's going to be very different than somebody who's just got some, you know, inflammation or a piriformis syndrome or something else like that, right? But for the most part, Ideally, the reason you're doing this is probably so you can get back to the activity that you like to do. And if you sit and baby it for too long, I find you're actually going to make the condition worse. And we often see this in cases of like a frozen shoulder, right? You get a little trauma on the shoulder and it's like, oh, I'm not going to do it. And then, whoops, I can't lift my arm anymore. Right? And now it's, it's a whole nother mess you created. 
So I usually have patients return to activity as soon as possible, usually the next day. Then you're going to take it a little easy, right? If we did your knee and you're going to have a little inflammation the first 24 to 48 hours, maybe 72 hours, you're going to be a little sore. So you're not going to want to go uh, full on. You're not going to go back and try to max out any exercises or anything like that. But at the same time, you know, we are talking about circulation. We are intentionally causing acute inflammation, which is different from the chronic inflammation that you had and kind of got you into this condition. So you do want to move the blood. You do want to encourage circulation. And by doing exercise, like kind of some of the things you just mentioned, like it will increase, you know, dopamine and just overall feelings of well-being, which will help you heal faster. So I am not a proponent of um, sitting still with it. You're you're not going to go straight from PRP to, you know, uh, run a 5K, but, you know, you should do some walking the same day. You you can do a light workout the next couple of days. And within a few days, you should be back to, you know, um, full activities. Now, what we didn't talk about, though, is is kind of the recovery process from the PRP as far as what to expect is results, right? And, you know, it, it is a stem cell process. It's not like popping an aspirin. It's not like you do it or, or a steroid injection. We do it or a lidocaine injection. We do it and then you're numb and then you don't feel anything, right? It is going to cause some temporary acute inflammation, which is what is going to start, uh, you know, the process of the regeneration, which, which is going to happen over weeks and months to come. It can take up to eight months to get the full results from a PRP, but usually you should start feeling better within two to four weeks. Now I have had patients that had instant relief. I'm talking about next day. The last one I had was actually a, um, a woman in her early seventies with an arthritic hip. And I was not expecting to see quick results because generally at that age, right? And um, the hip, depending on the severity of the arthritis, that can be pr- quite problematic. And I did a PRP uh, injection for her probably about two months ago, and she had relief within a day or two, and she's been fine ever since. She didn't even need to come for follow-ups, right? So sometimes depending on the severity of the problem, you might need to do two or three PRPs. And, and, and very often that's what athletes do, and sometimes they'll do them before surgery and after surgery, right? With surgery, uh, most of us are doing them to avoid surgery or to buy us, you know, an extra few years and things like that. So it once again, it's a case by case basis, but you got to get the right diagnosis first. You got to have a provider that you trust. And if the doctors are not performing orthopedic exams on you, if they're not asking questions, if they're not interested in your lifestyle, I don't trust that they really have your best interests at heart. I've had patients come in. For example, I had a patient come in with, with a frozen shoulder, actually, and that was in so much pain. He had been in the ER twice in one week. Okay. And they did an MRI of his neck and he had herniated discs and they told him he needed a spinal surgery that was going to put him out of commission for six months. He wouldn't be able to work and feed his family. Okay. Uh, He came in, the doctor that told him he needed spinal surgery never performed an orthopedic exam on him. So the orthopedic doctor didn't bother to spend two minutes, you know, uh, orthopedic shoulder exam, right? It doesn't take more than two minutes, right? You could probably do it faster in some cases, right? Uh, so I, I ran the exam for him and, and very quickly I said, okay, I'm not discounting that your neck is jacked up, but obviously your, your supraspinatus isn't firing, your infraspinatus is whack, right? Your rotator cuff is just not working. And, and just within a few acupuncture sessions, actually within five sessions, 
100% pain relief, 100% range of motion back after a year. Uh, and, and not every case is that easy. Uh, but that's just one example of why people shouldn't be quick to jump to surgery and why in the beginning we spoke about try different providers, get a second opinion, get a third opinion, get a fifth opinion if you need to. Like keep looking until you find someone that you're comfortable with and that seems like they know what they're doing. And if it doesn't work, try a different method. Yeah, this is huge. Um, you know, being able to just continue to search. Um, this brings me to my to my second to last question. I think, you know, people are are hearing this. They're like, okay, PRP can actually be a really beneficial tool. Mm-hmm. At what point in my healing journey, how many providers do I actually need to see? How many interventions do I need to actually get before I actually even have to consider something like this? Because it's regenerative medicine is, you know, it's, well, it's been around for a while, but it's really getting a huge rise, but there's still like people go and then they're talking to the providers. They're like, what do you think I should do? And they might not necessarily be the well-versed. So when it comes to the healing journey itself, what would you say is the best timing? Like, is it sooner rather than later? Like try it before you get your cortisone injections or, or tell us a little bit more about that. That's a tricky question, and and let's just be clear here that everything we're discussing is for educational purposes and entertainment purposes, medical advice, and part of that is something people are going to have to determine for themselves. I am not a big fan of the cortisone injections for some of the side effects we mentioned earlier. However, I have seen patients that have been in extreme pain, and sometimes one works for them. Personally, if I was talking, if it was me, if I had tried one and it didn't work, I'm definitely not letting that same person do another one, right? Sometimes I see the, oh, he did two, and now he wants me to come back and do another one, and it doesn't sound promising to me, right? If I, I'm not a big fan of um, the NSAIDs or anti-inflammatories or Tylenol and that stuff either, because they have effects on your liver, there's gut health, there's over 7,000 Americans that die every year from Tylenol and aspirin, which most people don't know, and then there's hundreds of thousands more on them and cause gastric bleeding and acid reflux and all these things that are often not being put two and two together. So, but if I'm in severe pain personally, I might try it for one or two days, right? And then see if I get some relief for that. I will usually, uh, depending on the severity of what's going on, I'm a big fan of chiropractic for short term. It's not a long-term fix. I'm a big fan of what you do. I work with, you know, um, functional training and I, I, you know, uh, just learning about that kind of stuff on my own for my own martial arts related injuries. And that what you do has actually been the most beneficial for me, probably out of everything for the long term. So I would always say, try to find a good PT for it. The problem is most of them are terrible. So I would have the patients contact you first so they could try to get a, a good diagnosis, at least an understanding of what the problem uh, may be. Um, I would see an orthopedic or two. Surgery, I think, should always be the very, very, very last option. I would never even consider it until you've tried everything else, right? Uh, no matter what they tell you, try everything else first. And depending on the severity of pain, obviously, if you rupture the disc and you are paralyzed, then you might, you know, be a candidate for immediate surgery or something like that. But if you're still walking, if you're still able to kind of get around, even if you're Olympic or whatever, I, I would try all these other things first. I would try acupuncture, chiropractic, physical therapy, massage, hot, cold therapy, uh, you know, the things that are going to be the least invasive um, uh, first. And then I'd say, um, you know, then you'd probably be a candidate for PT, um, for PT, uh, not PT, on the PRP. All right. And I do have patients that sometimes like they know, they're just like, they come in and they're like, 
I've had tennis elbow for a while or my shoulder hurts. I want PRP. And that's fine as long as we, you know, we check them to make sure it's not some kind of structural problem. Because if I believe it's a structural problem and I'm giving them PRP, that's also disingenuous. And that's like a, a money grab, which is, um, you know, if you don't get results for patients uh, or if you or if they find out down the road that you weren't honest with them, uh, you know, it ruins your reputation. And, and in the future, um, uh, you know, I also am a big believer in karma as well. So we just try to avoid those kinds of things. But it's going to be an individual um, decision, you know, case by case basis. 100%. That makes total sense. And so, you know, PRP, injection, surgery, they're all tools. They're all tools in the toolbox of uh, health and pain management. Not everything is going to look like a nail, a nail, which means that we have to hammer it out. Um, it's really going to be based on what you're presenting with and what you need. So continue to be an advocate for yourself. Now, um, Dr. Fields, some of the listeners are probably thinking, man, you know, I, I want to be able to converse with him. Um, I, I know you're out in Florida. Um, what's the best way for people to get in touch or learn a little bit more about how they can work with you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Instagram or Facebook is, is easy to find me at Jonathan M. Fields. It's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N M is Matthew uh, Fields. And they could look up um, either one of the clinics that I have. Uh, one is Create Health, which is just uh, C-R-8 Health. The letter C, the letter R, the number eight, health.com or at CR8 Health. And then Integrative Medicine US, which you see on the screen, is the other one. Um, you can look that up. At that website's integrativemedicine.us or at imedicineus. But um, Create Health is probably an easy one to find me at, just cr8health.com. Awesome. Listeners, if you didn't get a chance to write that down, I'm actually going to be putting his contact information into the show notes for today. Uh, Dr. Fields. It was such a pleasure having you on today's episode. I appreciate it, Doc. Thanks so much for having me. I, I thought it was a great discussion, very informational, and I enjoyed it a lot. I hope to be back in the future for maybe another topic. Absolutely. Keep, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, we need more good PTs like you helping people avoid the, the unnecessary drugs and the surgeries. There's time and a place, and uh, you know, I uh, like I mentioned, I, I think what you do is the, should be the first line of defense and preventative, not only for healing, but to prevent future injuries. I can't agree with you more. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider.